It's time for the Smart Money Questions Podcast with Matt Hausman. This is the show that provides you with a sound financial education and helps you avoid financial pitfalls. Make sure you are asking the right questions by listening to the Smart Money Questions Podcast. This is the Smart Money Questions Podcast. Walter Storholt alongside Matt Hausman, the founder of Old Security Group. And before we get into the meat and potatoes of today's program, we're going to be answering some of your questions as we get your smart money questions. That's why we named the podcast this way, because you always ask such good questions. We're going to highlight some of the best ones we've gotten from the past couple of weeks on the show today. But before we get to that, at the time of this podcast's posting here in mid-October, we're at a very important anniversary, a very important date in the life of you, Matt, and your family. Tell us a little bit about what you're sort of celebrating as we post this podcast this week. I wanted to take the time, you know, tomorrow is going to be two years removed from when Maggie was diagnosed. And many of you out there, clients, you've had interaction with her and just want to let you know that she's doing awesome. We are so appreciative of everyone's support, prayers, kind words. We still get them to this day. And just wanted to, you know, take the time to thank everyone for that support. It's just been awesome. And it's really helped us through the last couple of years. But just want to let everyone know she is doing great. So we just got done completing another Spartan run. <laughs> so that means in the last year, we've completed Three, just to let you know what those are, those are obstacle course races, anywhere from three to 10 miles. The one we just got done doing was where the Phillies play. And I get this question all the time. Yes, we did pay to do that. (laughs) (laughs) So, but just wanted to thank everyone for all your kind words and your support over the last couple of years. So she didn't just beat cancer. She, she really kicked it in the butt is what it sounds like. Now she's out doing obstacle courses and all this other stuff. That's correct. Yep. That's pretty cool. I'm reminded of, you know, we say, you know, to raise a child, it takes a village, right? And I think that exact same, you know, phrase, that exact same uh, saying would probably apply to, you know, beating cancer and dealing with, uh, you know, some of these major health issues that come up and kind of grab us. But especially with the way that cancer kind of affects people who, you know, you never see it coming and then boom, it's impacting your life and everybody around you. Amazing to see the contributions and and help and support that you get from everybody around you, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And I... I could do five podcasts in a row, an hour <laughs> pop, and I wouldn't even scratch the surface. I mean, it. we think about it now, you know, two years being removed, there was about an eight-month period of time where it was a complete blur, and it, things were just happening so fast, And but as you said earlier, she, you know, she kicked it. And, That's awesome. You know, and it, it really was. There was so much support from everybody in our community, our kids and, and their parents and their friends and the school and our clients and, and the people that we met with during that time period. And especially I, I do want to say this. The University of Penn offered us unbelievable, just more than just medical care, just the way that they they treated us was was awesome. So they are definitely world renowned. Well, definitely our best to Maggie. Congratulations on the uh, the anniversary and the milestone. And uh, glad that uh, you guys are doing well and uh, paying to jump over objects and you know run races <laughs> and all that exciting stuff. That's that's good. Living life to the fullest. It sounds like for sure. 
Well, we're going to take some of your questions on the podcast today. As we mentioned, your smart money questions are on the docket. And so let's get things started with a really good question here from Roland. And Roland is in Baltimore. And by the way, if you want to submit a question, just go to smartmoneyquestions.com and you can submit a question on the site. Roland says, with my pension, I can get $3,500 a month, but my wife gets nothing when I pass away. Or... I can take $2,900 a month, but she'll continue to get all of it after I'm gone. Which do you think is better? Well, first of all, congratulations, because that is a healthy pension either way you choose. And this is what I, the question I have for Roland is this, is do you want a happy wife? (laughs) (laughs) There's a very clear answer here, Roland. Pay attention. Uh, (laughs) It's so funny because, and let me say this, that's a common question that we'll see. But when you really think about it, you know, you're talking about it's not a huge chunk of money. It's about $7,200 gross per year. But when you're doing income planning, one of the things that is so critical is planning for income loss when one spouse dies. In this particular case, if she was to lose $3,500 a month, in addition, she's going to lose some type of Social Security income either hers or yours, because there's only going to be one Social Security payment stay in. You could be talking, that could be fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 a year in income that poof is gone, all just to gain $7,000 a year. Mm. I can speak firsthand to this. The other thing you want to recognize with survivorship planning, when my dad passed away, my mom's income went down about 15%. The expenses did not go down 50%, and her taxes went up $4,000 a year. So keep that in mind. Now she would be filing single. There could be an increase in taxation. So my immediate response, not even knowing, even if you've got millions and millions in the bankroll, and I would be looking at the reality is $2,900 a month for both lives is extremely important. Absolutely. Really good question, though, Roland. It's just a a matter. I guess people, what, Matt, they want to make sure that they're making the best financial decisions. So you see this thing of, all right, well, $600 a month more if I do it this way, or we subtract that and and make it happen this way. It's, but we we pick on you, Roland, and it's, it's not necessarily to say that you're not looking out for your wife, but people have that honest question of, well, although this doesn't sound as good, maybe the extra $600 is worth you know, the risk or how can I shape that? And that makes sense from that standpoint. But yeah. Well, the other thing is what happens when people get the information on their pension election, quite frankly, I've seen 40, 50 page documents with all these different numbers over there, and it can be extremely confusing. So it's definitely something that you want to take the time to go through and have an understanding Right. And, and quite frankly, make sure that twenty nine hundred dollars a month does, in fact, include a hundred percent benefit to her because uh, that I've seen it where it, the language wasn't very clear. Let's put it that way. So it's real important to have an understanding on that. Yep, absolutely. Again, great question, Roland. Let's get another one here. You can submit your questions on smartmoneyquestions.com. This one will come to us from Miranda, and Miranda is in King of Prussia and says, I recently met with a financial advisor who didn't seem to want to give me any actual advice until I moved my money over to his company. But I don't want to move money over until I have a better understanding of what he's going to do with it. But maybe I'm overthinking everything. Is this a common approach? Well, first of all, you are thinking exactly right, Miranda. If 
the advisor, and just to let you know, all advisors work differently and all companies have different approaches. And there are some companies out there that have this approach and those advisors have to work with that. But you're asking the exact right question in that, why would I want to move all of my money to a location that I don't know what they're going to do with it? I mean, so it's an absolutely right question. You want to make sure that you do, you have an understanding when the money goes there, what's going to happen with it? What type of investments? Don't just have it go over there and then give the advisor. And unfortunately, I've seen this happen where the advisor ends up having carte blanche and then you're left in the dark, which that invariably can end up creating some fear, some unknown. You don't really have an understanding on what the advisor is going to do. So your question is exactly right. And I would always recommend, you know, our process is to go through a planning. We actually charge a planning fee for the plan itself. So you have an understanding on what's gonna happen. And then the second approach is, if you want us to implement the plan, is then we have a fee structured for that as well. But definitely, you wanna have an understanding on exactly what your money is gonna be doing when you move it over there. So my recommendation would be absolutely not. Don't move it over there until you know. Yeah, really good question, Miranda. Thank you for submitting that one to us here on the Smart Money Questions podcast. Another one here from Jane in Tampa. See, we told you we, we bounce all around the country here. We get questions from everywhere. Jane says, I've heard that my long-term care insurance premiums might go up. Are they allowed to do that? Absolutely, and they will. Hmm. So get prepared. <laughs> all right. Moving the, on to the next question. No, okay. <laughs> that is many times when... And, and this pertains to long-term care only insurance is when people have purchased the insurance, their understanding or the way it was explained to them is that their premiums can only go up, quote, if we raise everybody else's. Well, the reality is they're going to raise everybody else's. And invariably what we've seen for the clients that have come on board with us and they might have had long-term care insurance because they didn't get it from us, but they had it prior. We decided to have it be part of the plan and, and they've kept it usually about the age of 64, 65, 66. They're going to start seeing premium increases and those increases can be anywhere from three to 12% per year based on who the company is, or they will reduce their benefits, not the original benefits they purchased, but reduce them Possibly, let's say one of the ones we see very often is they're going to reduce the inflationary factor, remove it to keep the same premium. And so you do want to be aware if that you have that long term care only type insurance, be prepared. Those premiums are going to go up or to keep the same premium, you're going to see benefits go down. It's just part of the way those programs and products are structured by the insurance companies that provide them. Really good question there, Jane, and thank you for submitting that one. Long-term care insurance, uh, a lot of people have questions about how that's going to impact them going forward, especially if rates start changing on you. And that can be a concerning thing when you think you've got sort of this fixed item in your budget that all of a sudden becomes variable. That can be disconcerting, and uh, you're not alone. That happens a lot in different areas of the financial world. All right, one more question here, our final smart money question of the week. This one's coming to us from Ricky. Ricky is in Charleston, and Ricky says, I think we have another four to five good years of stock market growth. Do you agree? Well, Matt, I think you're going to go to town on this one, aren't you? Well, you know, I, I hear this all the time, and I'm so glad that that he asked that question, because when I hear that, and sometimes I'll hear the opposite, and usually it's the opposite, but my question to Ricky would be back to him, first of all, why only four or five good years? 
And where'd you get the information to make that statement or have that understanding? Because invariably when we're looking at, especially all the media outlets that are out there, I actually had a client call me about three weeks ago and she was, she was really quite worried and sent me the information that she was reviewing. And this information wasn't talking about four or five years of good stock market. It didn't even address the stock market. It was the total collapse of the American economy. And as I read through this very lengthy email, what I realized at the bottom was he didn't really give us a lot of information. It was just a lot of mumbo jumbo. But at the bottom, he wants $99 a month for the, quote, inside information through his newsletter. So do I think we're going to have four or five good years in the market? I don't know. I look at the market since the Great Depression. What's it done? Mm, gone up, 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 but also down and sometimes. But the trajectory has always been up. Yeah. And so if we're only going to look at the market, so to speak, in a four to five year segment, I don't know if it's going to go up or down. I don't believe anyone can really accurately and consistently predict what that is. And the other thing is, Ricky, when you say the market, which market are you talking about? Are you only looking at the S&P? which is the largest 500 companies, or are you looking at emerging markets, or are you looking at mid-cap American companies? So there's all different segments of the market that so many times we just lump it all together. I caution people in looking at it in just that lens. There's so many other questions that this one actually generates. And the other question I would ask him is, okay, well, if, if what you're saying is accurate, or let's just say I agreed with you, what happens to the market after that? Is it doomsday? Does it just absolutely collapse so we have to be in now? The reality is I don't believe that anyone can accurately and consistently predict what the market's going to do. So I can't give you an answer, Ricky, as to do I think it's going to be four or five years of good market? If we look back in 2008 and 2009, did we ever think we would get to where we are now? Walter, I ask you that. Did you ever hear anyone talking about would the market would be where it is today? No, no, not at all. I mean, I, I think I'm, it's taken everybody by surprise. I mean, in late 2008, Kramer is on the Today Show. I almost, I almost busted my TV throwing my coffee cup at him. <laughs> and he's telling everyone, whatever money you need over the next five years, take it out of the market today. Oh, and wow. I'm thinking to myself, I, I was flabbergasted. That was, that was about the last time I ever watched the news anymore. I switched over to Mike and Mike, and I just get mad at sports. <laughs> but, you know, no one thought about it. In the multiple times during the Obama administration, the different, the fiscal cliff, the beginning of Obamacare, everyone was predicting that the market was going to collapse. And what's happened? So... Ricky, unfortunately, I can't answer your question. I think it's a great question. I think it begs to ask more questions to really get to what, if the market is going to be good, Ricky, what's going to be your course of action? If I was to say it's not going to be good, what's your course of action then? Mm -hmm. So there's so many things that you're right. I can go to town on something like that. And invariably, I hear it all the time. It really, there's so many more things that go into just looking at Fox Business or CNBC or Bloomberg and trying to make a decision. Well, yeah, that sounds good. Four or five, we had a four or five year run because no one really accurately knows. Yeah, that's a great point, Matt. Really good questions today. I would say we got some good smart money questions on the podcast without a doubt. Now, we don't have to feature your question on the podcast. If you want to just talk to Matt directly about a financial situation that you might be in, 
you can do that. It's easy to get in touch. 610-719-3003 is the number to call to reach Matt. That's 610-719-3003. Whether you're in Westchester or Newark where Matt has offices or you want to connect remotely, and uh, we can use the wonders of technology. If you're anywhere across the country, Matt can touch base with you as represented by some of our questions where they came in today from all over the area. Smartmoneyquestions.com is the place to go online to find Matt and get more information about him and then touch base through the website. That's smartmoneyquestions.com. Or again, call him at 610-719-3003. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. We'll talk to you again next time on Smart Money Questions. Smart Money Questions.